Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Erica Smith. She is known in the social media realm as Alaska Outdoor Girl, and you may have heard her on the Alaska Wild Project episode, was it two weeks ago that you were on there? Yep, two weeks ago. Excellent. Uh, Thanks for being on here. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thanks for having me. So we talked uh, just briefly off air about uh, skiing. You said you just got off the trail or the slopes? Um, off the trails. So I live in Soldotna and we have a really nice um, cross country trail system out here. It's about 12 miles of trails that go all over um, around one of the, the local schools. It used to be Skyview High School. And uh, yeah, I got about five miles in today. So that was great. Nice. My, I had never been to Soldotna until the summer and went up there uh, for the honeymoon. And it was a cool area, kind of a long drive. You definitely feel like a separation once you get past Girdwood. Actually, once you get yes. out of Anchorage, you feel like you're back in Alaska. And then yep. you get to Girdwood, then you get down on the peninsula, and then you kind of go down into that flatland. It's pretty sweet. But I was kind of surprised at how Soldotna looked like it could have been anywhere down south, which kind of like the stores that are recognizable, the big spot, big box stuff. But then you see the Kenai River, and it's like, okay, we're back in Alaska. Yeah. Um, so we do have the, we do have yeah the Sportsman's Warehouse here, which does make it sound you know seem a little bit more metro. Um, but that's about it. We, you know, we don't have a Target or you know a TJ Maxx or anything like that. So still pretty small town. But yeah, the Kenai really separates it out. Yeah. Now with Soldotna, your destination, or were you on your way through on the way to Homer? We went. Uh, what did we do? We got um, the first five nights. We did an Airbnb cabin right outside of Kasilov because we wanted to do fly fishing for kings. That was kind of the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were going to go up to Cooper Landing to fish the uh, Upper Kenai, yep. and. I think two days before the honeymoon that, uh, that person canceled on us. And so we had to rebook the second half of our honeymoon and they didn't have anything available in uh, Cooper landing. So we had to go to, I don't know, someplace on the way to Seward that's on a lake that has nothing there. Yes. Moose pass on trail Lake, And that was not nearly as cool as Cooper landing. (laughs) Moose pass is very beautiful yep. um i like moose path not a lot going on there no <laughs> no uh we, we we it was a hotel that we ended up staying at and in the hotel and that's it's just a kind of a far drive you're not like right on the kenai that's kind of what we wanted to do have a you know five to ten minute run to the to the, to the kenai or something like that so in moose pass when we were there it's a much longer drive and we go to our hotel we check in and there's no coffee maker, there's no fridge, um, and we thought, wow, well, at least throw a coffee maker. And if there's no coffee maker, there's no fridge. All right, well, you know, we went to the to the front desk of the hotel, and there's not really a front desk. And then there was no um, like continental breakfast or anything. I'm, I'm sounding like I'm super high maintenance. You know, it's I live in Ketchikan. <laughs> you know, I'm not coming in from. But it was just, it's a hotel for 100 and whatever a night. Thought, you know, throw a throw a stale prepackaged pastry at me. 
you know, or, or something, yeah, some but, uh, peanut butter crackers, something, you know, or at least, <laughs> at least have a coffee maker in there so I can make my own coffee in the morning and then drive somewhere else that has stuff. But Ooh. yeah, yeah. Moose Pass is rough. And I always tell people, yeah, don't stop for coffee when you're going through Moose Pass. I did one time and, uh, cause I traveled to Seward actually quite a bit and I regret it to this day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's too bad. Cause you want to those little tiny towns, in between, oftentimes there are some really cool places to visit, but that was not uh, was not the case there in Moose Pass. But I don't know; it's it's the way it was. So yeah, we spent some time there, but we fished the lower part of the Kenai, fished the Kasilov with everybody else with our fly rods. Well, we had fly rods; no one else had fly rods on the Kasilov. Got a guide on the yeah. Kenai. Um, ate at the two breweries that we knew of in uh, Soldatna, the mm-hmm. Saint Elias. Which had the good pizza, mm-hmm. and yep. then it was a Kenai River Kenai Brewing. River Brewing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had really good um, wings. Yeah, I was, yeah, uh, I like your boneless wings. I, I was, I was, I was happy with that. So uh, check those yeah, boxes. Yeah, those are our claims to fame. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing about it is they they complement each other. You don't have, you know, the same thing. It's just like not just a burger right. joint and another burger joint. It was, uh, it was good. I like that. It's. Uh, mm-hmm quality so yeah that was uh that was the trip and then we spent uh one night in uh anchorage and kind of walked around there and um went and saw daniel at the at the anchor town dogs and saw jack nice. at uh, double shovel so it was cool to to meet those guys and hang out a little bit so uh yeah. fun trip and uh it was good did you grow up in saldana i did i actually grew up out in sterling which is about 10 miles east of saldana and uh I went to Soldatna High School and yeah, grew up my whole life here on the Kenai Peninsula. Stars, right? Soldatna Stars, is that, is that right? The So High Stars, yeah. So, so High <laughs> Stars. That's good. That's good. Um, did you ever feel a need to leave? Did you ever want to leave? Like, why did you, uh, how did you end up there? Uh, I need to leave Soldatna. Soldatna or Alaska or anything? I did. I did. Um, when I was 18 years old, I moved down to Dallas-Fort Worth for four years. I went to uh, college down there. And I think at 18, I don't, I, I don't know a smart 18-year-old. No offense to any 18-year-olds <laughs> that listen to this. But, you know, I just wasn't very smart at 18 years old. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Got to get out of this small town. You know, I'm going to go live my life somewhere else. And, and I did. And I moved down to Dallas-Fort Worth. And, you know, I actually like the area. There's a lot of fun stuff to do down there. I'm a big sports fan. Um, I actually worked for the Dallas Mavericks down there. Um, and it, w- it was great. You know, but then I moved back in 2008 to Alaska. I graduated high school in 2004. moved back in 2008. And uh, just since then... I've really found my love for the outdoors. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so nice here. It's so the pace in Alaska is just unmatched. It's, it's so relaxing up here and it's just a perfect place to live away from all of the hustle. And I actually feel like I'm in control and, and living my life up here intentionally um, and even when I go visit cities down south, I feel like I'm losing 
parts of myself when I'm <laughs> driving on a freeway or, you know, sitting in traffic or like stressing out over getting to that fifth lane over on the left because I have to exit in four miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I went to college at University of Arizona in Tucson just to get out. Uh-huh. And then my first job out of college was teaching in California. And I knew that I wasn't going to end up there, but another year passes and another year passes. And I didn't really have, I I would, I would go home for every summer. As soon as the school year was over, like the next day I was on a plane to go home and I was up in Klawak, um, here in Southeast. I was there until the day or two before I had to report by report back. So I was there the entire Mm -hmm. summer and just fishing and outdoors and camping and, then during the year, every weekend I could, I was going up into the mountains in Sierra Nevada. I mean, they're beautiful. It's it's there's nowhere in the world like like uh, Yosemite. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, Half Dome is unbelievable. But right. there's so many people. And then you know, you go. I made the mistake once of heading west out of uh, where I lived down to uh, through San Jose to hike these mountains by the Bay Area beautiful hike you look down look out to the ocean that's great but then you get so rewound as you're driving back home so any sort of relaxation or whatever that you got from the hike and it just for years and years and years and then finally i moved back and i thought oh man like i was in danger of becoming a lifer and it was just (laughs) scary but now that you're back and you know more mature and then you just see everything there's so many more opportunities and it's you can just live it on a different level and it feels so much more fulfilling and part of the identity that i maybe took for granted when i was younger did you feel some of that too oh for sure um you know i when i lived in texas you know i was always the girl from Alaska, you know, and people just couldn't fathom it. And, you know, did you, do you live in an igloo? You know, do you see polar bears all the time? You know, that kind of question, because people just, they have no idea. Their minds are just blown, you know, and it got a little annoying at times because it was like, really, you know, like, come on. And, uh, but now, like, like you said, you don't realize when you're young, the value of actually what's here. Um, and how it actually, (laughs) it's really started to make sense to me lately, how it is the last frontier. It is the last wild place in America, right? And the value that we have being here, that we can go places that maybe nobody's ever stepped a foot on. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just really exciting. Yeah. I'm teaching, um, adventure survival lit and we just finished up, uh, into the wild and it's so hard for the kids to understand why Chris McCandless would do what he did and end up in Alaska. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, it's for people who live in an urban setting, it's there, there's nowhere else to go anymore. Like in, in so Alaska is the last place. If you want to do something that's kind of bold and, and get to some of that unmatched terrain in the same mm-hmm. way that people went West. And then when there was no more West, they went North, you know, the gold rush and all that sort of stuff. Now there's, there's no other rush. There's no thing to go and pursue and just leave everything behind. It's just a, it's a vacation or it's a cruise. Or if, if you're McCandless, you know, you just kind of hitchhike and you're totally unprepared, but Right. You know, humans aren't meant to just hang out in the 
in the metaverse, you know, and so it's, it's not surprising that people <laughs> yeah. want to do that, but it's tough for high school kids to, to understand and real realize that there's beyond. people that want to do that. Yeah. So adventure, what did you call the class? Adventure lit? Adventure survival lit. Yeah. Adventure survival lit. So what, what grade is that? What year is that? Juniors and seniors. Okay. I went to college for my, my degree is actually in education with, um, secondary education specialization in English. And I was going to be an English teacher. So interesting. Yeah, I I got my degree in journalism, so I always said that I was kind uh-huh. of a journalist who happened to uh, to teach English. And um, man, the textbook game was not great. So one of the things I love about Ketchikan <laughs> is the opportunity to teach yeah. those sort of classes. So I teach science fiction lit, uh, adventure survival lit, and just you can connect with the kids oh, so awesome. much more. And it's not oh yeah, we have folklore and fan- and, and fairy tales and war and remembrance and. The educational experience is so much different when you're not just this pacing guide and this textbook and this, you know, the only option you have as a junior senior is either regular or AP. Like that's, that's not a, that's not a recipe for kids being really excited about school. No, it's not. That was the recipe when I was in school was regular or AP. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Moby Dick and the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's rough. That is rough. It was. So. Very cool. Uh, one of the things that when I moved back, that was something that was definitely on my mind. And actually my principal, when I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to move back to Alaska. He said, well, now you're going to have to meet someone online. And I was like, what the heck, man? <laughs> like that was the first thing out of his, uh, out of his mouth rather than like, oh man, you know, you know, it was just, I moved back for, for family health reasons. My mom had some health issues. So I was moving back to kind of take care of her. But like his first words are, you have to meet meet your wife online because he knew I was going back to an island in Southeast Alaska. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, maybe, you know, like Kolwak doesn't have a, you know, extensive dating pool population of 700 and Ketchikan on a different island has 12,000. But I mean, there was a lot of things I love to do. Um, so I didn't really worry about that so much. Um, and you and I talked a little bit off air about this and I kind of prompted the question. So I try to be as not awkward as possible, but, um, how have you dealt with the odds are good, but goods are odd, uh, being a a woman in Alaska? Yeah, it's been difficult. I will say, um, in, in some sense, in some instances. So, um, I'm single currently, but I'm open-minded and I try to stay pretty open-minded and pretty resilient when it comes to dating. Um, I will say like personally, my mindset is I'm looking really for just like a partner in life, like an adventure partner, you know, and not everybody wants the same thing. Um, Traditionalism might say like, Oh, I want, a woman to, you know, be in the kitchen and raising the kids and, you know, all those type of things. And, you know, that's great. And, you know, that could be, some of that could be in my future, but, um, you know, it's just, it hasn't been, just haven't made that connection yet. And, and somebody that is kind of running the same pace that I'm running, um, and I think that that could be a little bit overwhelming for some people. Uh, 
But yeah, I'm just trying to stay open-minded about it, be cautious, you know, because I think that relationships are dangerous too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic. And, um, my main, the, the main thing that I really wanted to do though, as well is just to stay, to stay gentle about it and to stay soft about it and to not get bitter about things that don't work out. Um, because I do think that, you know, even if you're on an Island, I do think that things can work out for the best. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic when it comes to those type of things. Yeah. My, uh, my brother got married. Um, it was having kids and then I was just notoriously single. You know, I spent my summers up here, so that's not really, I wasn't really meeting anybody. And my mom and dad would ask if I'm seeing anybody and I'm like, no. And so it, I, I could feel that they were like uncomfortable, but I got past that sort of, you know, does anybody, is anybody going to want me type thing? It was just weird to see in California. It was like, it did seem like there were people who didn't have anything going on. And so because of that, and this is not all people, I don't want to sound judgmental or anti, anti whatever, uh, California, right. but it was, I don't have anything go on. The next step after high school is marriage kids. And then that's how you validate your existence and to just have other stuff going on you know, that's fun. And then you can have just, just a a good fulfilling life. And when something happens, it does. And I, my wife Mm -hmm. now happened to be visiting a friend, uh, three summers ago on Prince of Wales. So I happened to meet my wife there, but she was, I swore I would never do long distance relationships, but I met her and she was just getting back from hiking the Chilkoot trail and kayaking Glacier Bay. And I thought, Oh my gosh, Who's this? She's awesome. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. and it just, it just kind of happened. But I think there's that, you know, someone who, who, who has stuff together. It's just, it's, it's awesome. Do you feel that? And she, she talked about this a little bit, um, that some of her and her friends, she's a PhD student. She's about ready to finish it up. That after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, It's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. 
some men, many men, whatever, and this could be like a Wyoming thing or a down south thing, are intimidated by strong, confident women. So if you have a, a, a woman who's a, a hunter and just gets after it and lives life to the fullest, that can be you know, intimidating for, for men to deal with. Um, you don't seem like a, a hardened, feminist, angry at man, men type. Like, how are you? Have, have you seen some of that? A little bit. Yeah, I've experienced a little bit of that. Um, most of the time that comes from not necessarily being passionate about the outdoors, right? About like fishing and hunting and those type of things, because a lot of guys are like, oh, cool. You're into that type of thing. You know, that's kind of been in the, um, the goods are odd situation in those, in those particular instances. But um, yeah, I have experienced a little bit of, I am very tenacious person. Um, I'm, I'm also just very goal oriented. Um, I found a lot of success at my job and, um, you know, I, I do pretty well, like for myself and, uh, I like to do things well. I like excellence and, you know, I have high standards and I have high standards for the people that I surround myself with too. So I have personally experienced, um, a couple of relationships with guys that just, they didn't want that, you know, and that's okay, mm -hmm. um, for them, you know, it's, it's not they weren't looking for somebody like me. They were looking for somebody like, you know, uh, I don't know, one of the, I would maybe not one of the golden girls, bad example, but you know, like somebody <laughs> back from an old TV show. Yeah. I love Lucy, something like that, you know, and that's just not me. So I think that I, I won't make any blanket statements that say that, you know, like I, or people like me, women like me are intimidating to all men. Um, I won't make that generalist statement, but I think that for some, yeah, absolutely. I think it can be intimidating. And I think guys could be like, yeah, that's not what I want. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think that sometimes uh, it can be, people can make assumptions about women that are tenacious and that do have goals and, you know, are kind of, you know, really, uh, I guess the word intimidating. Um, but if you just like ask a question and like get to know somebody, you know, you could find something completely different. Yeah. I like guess when I first asked you the question a couple of days ago, I thought, man, I don't, I don't, I feel, I feel it's an awkward question. I feel that I, maybe I'm not even the person who should be asking it, but I, I haven't really heard much in the like journalism podcast sort of realm about that and how people are, you know, I'd never even thought about it until my wife made a comment and some of her friends in the PhD program, we have these, these very smart, very driven, you know, non angry types who are like, Oh, I never even thought about what that would, uh, that would be. So, um, again, blanket statements. I, I, I try not to make them. I kind of tiptoeing around the subject, but I thought it was kind of an interesting thing and, just wanted to get uh, get your take on that. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from, uh, like I was telling you, I'd be interested to hear the perspective between or from some of your like younger male listeners. You know, some of the guys that are single that are, you know, that are my age, right, and are not looking for something serious, or you know, or they're not, you know, interested in stronger women or whatever, however you want to say it. I don't know. Um, but like what their take is, like you had mentioned, you were just busy living your life and you just weren't 
it wasn't a priority of yours. You know, so yeah, yeah I, I just I, I, it's cool to talk to people and to hear their perspectives is all. Yeah, I, I think what I saw was like the value in like a co-provider. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes when you throw the words like uh, "be a leader of the household," that makes it mm-hmm. sound like some old you know, archaic, uh, toxically masculine, whatever, but it doesn't mean it's at the expense of someone else. Like you can be co-providers. I can, I want to be a provider. I want to be a leader, but that doesn't mean that Abby can't be. And I, it was easy mm-hmm. to see the value that was brought by, you know, she's into the same stuff I am. And sometimes we, you know, disagree about elk strategy or something like that, but I'm thinking, man, we're, we're out here hunting elk together. You know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't want to bugle right now. And I do, cause I practiced it and I watched YouTube stuff, but like, this is a good problem to have, man. Like, this is not, this is, this is not a power struggle. So, um, yeah. I think that that's a, that's a cool thing to, for me to realize, but it did, it did take a little bit when she shot her first dive. I haven't, haven't taken an elk before and just this, she's such a go-getter. It's, it is kind of. I got to stay on top of my game here because she gets after it. And that's good to have that mutual sort of challenging back and forth rather than like there's the the clear, I have to be the, this in the relationship. It's nice to be able to just have that, but yeah. Yeah. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned it, you know, I think it's like the, the expectations that, you know, we've grown up with or that society puts on something that says, okay, now here's the next box that you check and here's what this looks like. And, you know, but that's that's only what the past has said, right? That's that's only that's what we have to learn from, you know, the past couple hundred years, and which is just a short time. But you know, the traditional family, um, you know, women, uh, they're getting into some pretty cool stuff, and they're doing some really awesome things. And uh, I think that we just all have to transition together. You know, uh, when I was a kid, you know, my mom wouldn't have dreamed to go hunting with my dad, like, at all. She would have hated it. And uh, it shocked my dad. I I go hunting with my dad now. And, like, we have snow machines and, like, we hang out. And he's like, I, he's like, I never knew how cool you were. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, it's okay. I'm not offended, you know, but I think that. It's just a, it's a, it's a culture shift and it's a transition for women because, you know, we haven't been really invited to do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of mentioned this on the Alaska Wild Project podcast too. Like it's, it's a little harder for women to get into things like that, to get into the hyper-masculine outdoors and uh, like, it's not an open invitation. It's, you know, a a lot of it is based on tenacity and some of it's based on luck, you know, like if somebody just inviting you to go one day and then you get to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think that it's, uh, it's just a transition. And I think that, um, women in the outdoors right now are kind of at the forefront of that transition for women. Like you do see, um, and, right, wrong, or indifferent, right? But you see a lot of women being um, brand ambassadors for hunting companies and stuff now. And it's it's cool to see the ones that actually get out and do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
I think that the industry recognizes that women are interested in this and uh, that there's an opportunity to just um, be welcoming. Mm -hmm. So do you think that kind of the anti-hunting sentiment that uh, that's down south more so than up here, do you think that disproportionately impacts women because that is a, it's an opportunity for, you know, family bonds for individual growth. And, um, do you think that's a, that's a, that's a hindrance about this positive, uh, positive movement? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that in some cases, definitely, I think in some cases, maybe not, it's hard to say. Um, but I think that, you know, if we're just addressing the, the anti hunting, you know, sentiment I, I i just think there's a lack of exposure around the whole thing and that we have an opportunity to really present it better <laughs> we just have to do a better job yeah um at, at presenting what it is and why it is and um not make it look as barbaric even though it does have definitely um a little bit of you know barbaric traits to it like it's, it's a little bit barbaric but um, you know, we need to present it in, in a better way. And I think it's a challenge. It's a challenge that I'm definitely willing to step up to. Mm -hmm. I had a student in California write a uh, self-assessment essay about the thing she loved to do most in her life was to go elk hunting with her dad. And I thought, this is awesome. And almost in the next sentence, she said, then it's very important that her friends don't find out because her uh -huh. friends, her friends were cheerleaders. She was a cheerleader. She, she kind of fit that type. And I just thought, oh man. Like that, that connection, that, that father daughter connection, you know, a, a present father, you're doing real things. Like what is more empowering, you know, for a, for a young, young, young girl to become a young woman that this, you, you can do this stuff. And then, then yeah. to have it or have to hide it from her friends because she's ashamed or afraid they're going to judge her because she does something that's deemed weird. It just stuck with me. I, I saw her as a senior and she said, cause at, at a, the school I was at had 1,800 kids, so sometimes once they're out of your class, like you don't really see them too much. But she said she ended up telling her friends, and there was no big deal. And I thought, perfect, good, good. That's what I told you when you were a sophomore. I said, if they're really your friends, then it's not going to matter. But right. uh, like those connecting points are so, so great, you know. And having kids up here and uh, talk about how they went hunting, and and you know, kids, boys and girls, just share. Hey, Mr. Lund, I got a buck over the weekend. Just how excited they are to be able to talk about something that's real that they did over the weekend. It's just such a great part of living here and then part of their growing up experience. Oh yeah, for sure. We're so lucky that we have that here, you know, down South, they have just like a lot of white tail. So like, that's the big sport, you know, but here it's so diverse and, um, it's so cool just to have that heritage and that, and the opportunity to, um, to just grow up Alaskan, yeah. you know, it's so special. And I think that it's, um, it's a miss that we don't champion that more, um, when, when the kids are young. Yeah. So uh, transitioning off that a little bit to something maybe easier uh -huh. to talk about, don't have to tiptoe <laughs> tip around or me worried about saying something dumb if I haven't already. Um, I want to talk about skiing a little bit. My wife has, pair of skis and she's got skins and we've done some backcountry stuff but uh, i don't own a pair um 
What uh, what can you tell me about uh, skiing and uh, what's your favorite uh, favorite time to go? Favorite way to do it um, as a recreation, as a whatever. What do you got for skiing? Oh man, I have a lot of stuff about skiing. So I will say that I'm not a gear expert when it comes to skis. I'm I'm the type of person that um, I get some basics and I wear them until they're worn down to nothing, and I just use them and use them and use them. So. Um, I got into cross country skiing five or six years ago. Um, and I will say this for the rest of my life that it changed winter in Alaska for me. Um, cross country skiing is such an easy way to get outside every single day. Um, you don't have to have beautiful trails like Salteshi trails that I had, that I have here in Solana. You don't have to have that. Um, you can go on a lake, you know, as long as you don't make me go through all the safety protocols of being on a lake, but you can go skiing around a lake and it's so easy and it's so beautiful and fun. And you just get out there and you just glide across the snow or, you know, you can even, I've seen, I saw somebody going down the sidewalk the other day and I'm like, Oh, don't you know that we have these nice trails here? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I guess cross country skiing is my day to day. Um, and I, and I ski on classic cross country skis. They're 188 centimeters and 64 millimeters wide. Um, so they're long and skinny is the short of it. And, uh, uh, they have the heel that doesn't click down, right. Or the heel that's not uh, stationary. So you're basically just like gliding across and your heel comes up across the snow on both sides. And, uh, gosh, it's a full body workout and, it just uh, has allowed me to get outside every day in the summer and or, I mean in the winter. And, and that's been incredible. Hmm. Um, so cross country skiing is my number one, just because it's my most common. Um, my number two is backcountry skiing. Um, and by, by that, I just mean like backcountry cross country skiing. So um, I like to get out on like the lakes and stuff, uh, locally um sometimes i'll have a little jet sled and a harness and i'll i can pull a jet sled behind me and um go out and do some ice fishing um so i like to do that so i like to pack up all my stuff and uh haul all my stuff out to a lake and and do some ice fishing um and that's fun because you're out in the backcountry and it's so quiet out there um you're just you don't have to do a lot of um, climbing, like alpine uh, backcountry skiing, you know, but it's still just a great way to get out and get some exercise, get some different terrain, and kind of feel like you're somewhere that you're not supposed to be, which is what I love about it the most. Like, I'm on skis, I have a sled with me, I have a bunch of stuff that's not meant to be out here with me, and it's just really, it feels really adventurous and uh, it's just kind of a rush getting out there and settling in. I have a little ice hut that I take with me. Nice. I'm settling in and just getting it done. So that's fun. Do you have the, the Alpine backcountry ones with the skins too? I do. Yeah. Right. I just those. <laughs> well, what did those run? And sometimes the best source are the people who don't necessarily know a lot about a lot. It's just know enough about what you need to know. So yeah. how, how, how did that, uh, did you get stuff used? Did you, did you buy it new? How did you do the, uh, the Alpine version? Yeah. So I will say that, um, and I'll just 
you know, <laughs> I'll admit this guiltily, I guess, but um, I like things to match. And so <laughs> I bought my stuff new because I bought my boots to match my skis to match, you know, my skins and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nice. Um, and I got, so I got a, my, a bonus last year in February at work and I knew that the bonus was coming and I was like, with this bonus, I'm going to buy myself like a nice backcountry setup. And so I did, I bought it in February and March. Um, and I just got myself like, I, uh, I did some research on beginner, intermediate and advanced, um, like the length of your skis, the flexibility of your boots, um, where you're going to be skiing, those type of things. And so I made my decisions on that and I hate researching i'll just say that right now like i absolutely hate it um and it's difficult when you're breaking into a new sport um and backcountry skiing or backcountry snowboarding or split boarding it's a big big sport it's like fly fishing like it's just it's huge because there are so many moving pieces to it and um so i just got my avi gear uh like about a month ago and I still have to get my Avi course done. I've done a couple of virtual courses um, because that's so important because uh, you need to be able to, I mean, the, the, the scary side of it is, is you need to be able to dig somebody out if you are going with them in avalanche terrain, which mm -hmm. is kind of all over the Chugach range, which is where I'll be skiing. Um, so yeah, it took a ton of research and I hate researching because i'm just a doer i like to do 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 i would rather somebody like look at me and be like okay you're a beginner here's what you need you don't want stiff boots you want this and here's why you want it and da da da, da. you know but instead i had to like painstakingly go through all of the reading and all of the blogs and all of the uh recommendations and figure out how i did it and probably can't even remember half of it but <laughs> yeah uh so that's how I got set up with my backcountry setup. Did you go into somewhere and buy the stuff or did you buy it online? Cause I would think that buying like the boots online would be super scary. It was scary. I went and I tried on boots, mm. um, and the back and ski boots, you know, they've got weird sizing. Like I, like the, the Mondo, what is it? Mondo sizing that they call it. Um, and so I went in and I tried on boots I tried them on at REI. Um, where else did I try them on? I tried them on at a couple different places in Anchorage, I think. And they just, they were all pretty ugly, the ones that they had. And so I found a pair online that I liked. Um, because again, I'm picky about colors. And uh, so I, I picked out a pair online that I liked, but I went locally and tried them on. Nice. I, yeah, there's not a spot around here to try them on which is always scary about everything we don't have a the nearest sportsman's is in juno but you yeah. know it's a that's a hour and a half alaska airlines flight so we're not doing that for the weekend but um right you would think that wouldn't be uh too expensive a flight but uh they'll they'll get you they'll, they'll get you on that yeah they will the thing gladly is with take alaska, some money though if you've got the five thousand, isn't it five thousand miles to get you know like you can get around on it yeah and then um companion fair we try to use the companion fair for uh for something yeah. for something big but uh yeah i definitely yeah, I actually like have to, two of those you have two companion fairs i have two of those bank of america cards because oh. i've got family that lives outside 
Oh, perfect. Um, so I'm forever spending my companion fare on everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that that is such such a great deal. It used to be free, which is awesome, and then it was what fifty bucks. Now it's a hundred bucks, but still, that's yeah. You're you're still saving saving a ton. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely want to make a move on on that. Um, we don't have we have a couple trails that you can go up. We don't have a lot of you know just a lot of snow and trails in town that uh, that stay snowy. Like right now, there's snow on it, but it's going to warm up and probably a week and mm-hmm. a half or so start raining and get mm-hmm. back to that. 37 degrees and rainy that's kind of our our winter program down here which is it's sometimes nice to see the sun even if it is pretty cold yeah what mountains do you guys have up there um behind ketchikan um we just have i don't even know if it's called a range because it's just a small little little island but um we got a couple of mountains that get into like 3500 like there's plenty of alpine and some people will take uh They'll take snow machines up and then um, hike on up and then uh, do some skiing. And um, But uh, based on the weather f- fluctuations, and things can get pretty dangerous with the snow. And so uh, some of my buddies have, have been um, in on some rescues that have been pretty, pretty rough. But, um, yeah. you know, the, when, the, when the skiing is good here, it can be pretty awesome. But it's just pretty, pretty short. And, um, yeah, not, not real big. A lot of people have have snow machines, but, uh, the skiing thing is kind of a, you know, maybe, maybe a dozen or so people I think I, I know of that, uh, that get after it and it's two or three times a year. Oh, wow. Most of the people either yeah. go up to Eagle Crest in uh, Juneau and others used to go down to Smithers. There was a big, uh, contingent of people who would go down to Smithers um, I don't know, five or six families would just pretty much, it was almost like they were chartering one of the uh, Alaska Marine Highway uh, ferries. Yeah. Just go down there, yeah. take their vehicles, drive to Smithers and, you know, rent a, rent something for a week during uh, during winter break. And it sounded super fun. But uh, now with COVID, that that, uh, that hasn't happened. But, right. So, yeah. 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 You fit a lot of gear on those ferries. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> when you do go... Um, fishing are there any lakes um around there that you also fish during the uh during the uh summer when it's uh when it's nice out yes um we have like if you take a if you zoom in on the kenai peninsula there's like hundreds of lakes um and what i had a good time with one of my friends one winter and summer we just went into uh, the wildlife refuge and we just carried a little um inflatable raft with us and just fished as many lakes as we could just to see how many of those lakes had trout in them and trout and char and uh there's just naturally existing a lot of like they're little but it's still fun just to find out for yourself like all these lakes you know out in the middle of nowhere that have little fish in them that you can just um it's just kind of an adventure and they all look different which is crazy just because like the minerals and stuff in the water Hmm. so sometimes we get these little rainbows and they're like golden almost they have like a golden copper sheen um just because of the minerals in the water so it's just a little crazy but yeah so ice fish those and then um in the summer you know you can get out there and like pack rafts and stuff and um, because there's like little trails all over the place. 
and uh, just go from lake to lake to lake. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that north of um, whatever road that is, um, up by, I don't know, like east of Nikiski, I think, or somewhere around there. Like, just I should probably get my Onyx out here. I, I want to have the computer. But there are tons uh-huh. and tons of lakes everywhere. Um, uh-huh. looks, River Road. Looks, uh, looks pretty sweet. Uh-huh. What about, um, does uh, Ski Lack or, or Testamina freeze over? Or is yeah, I would assume that the Ski Lack would have some some decent fishing if it does freeze over. Yes. I don't, um, you know, I don't really recreate out on ski lack, um, or Testamina for that matter. Um, you know, I tend to hit up, I guess the little, for lack of a better term, like a little mom and pop lakes and not, Mm. (laughs) not the big ones. Um, you know, ski lack and Testamina, they have some, they have currents that run through there. Right. Um, and they can just be a little bit dangerous. And, uh, I know that some people have done like some ice skating on ski lack, um, you know, and that's pretty cool if you can get there, if it's been cold and there hasn't been any snow. Um, and I do know that there's some pretty decent ice fishing, um, in certain areas of ski lack, but I wouldn't be the pro to talk about those things. I kind of just dink around where I can just be out skiing and avoid the wind. That's one of the real bad things about ski lack is the wind that comes through there is just mm. ugh, treacherous. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Just um, coming out of those mountains, it's got to be cold and strong. That's... <laughs> oh yeah. It's terrible. Um, there's actually a book called the winds of ski lack mm. and it's just known for just ripping through there. It's awful. <laughs> Do you feel we kind of got this feeling once you kind of drop down out of Cooper landing, you know, and you get there and you can, you could take that left and you can drive down the lower, um, lower part of the upper Kenai, I guess, uh, before it dumps into ski lack, but it does seem like there's a lot of area that you can't like really get to, um, when it comes to either because of no roads or because of, of private land, does it, does it feel oddly open, but still prohibitive um with so much opportunity there but you just can't get everywhere um so i'm trying to think of like where you're talking about so like when you come down out of the mountains and you're kind of in the flat area there um and you're just out there in the refuge yeah and like there you can't really drive all the way down i guess it's probably a good thing but it didn't look like there was just a trail that went all along the river so you could fish the whole upper kenai you just like oh. wherever there was a pullout and stuff. And so you just feel like the fishing might, everyone's kind of in the same few spots or did we just not fish it right? Um, yeah. So the Kenai, the upper Kenai specifically, there's pre- there's a trail that kind of runs along the river, like kind of the whole way up there. Um, but there are those little pullouts that are kind of the hot spots for people to go hike in, but it's not uncommon for people to hike like a couple miles once they pull off on those pull-offs, um, which I've done. Uh, and then, you know, if you're going to fish the, you know, the whole upper, you know, it's typically you're in a drift boat and you're, you're, you're putting it up at the lake and then you're going all the way down to gyms. Um, which is right there on Ski Lack Lake Road, yeah. the east entrance. Um, but yeah, it does seem if you if you don't know your way around, it can it can definitely seem really restrictive. 
Um, you know, but you just, once you get out there and you start looking around, um, there are places to walk and there are places to go and just being mindful, you know, of where you're stepping and all those things. But it's, uh, I, I personally don't feel like it's that restrictive. Yeah. I think maybe it was more the perception of being in brown bear country. There was no brown bears on Prince of Wales where I grew up and there's no brown bear in the Ketchikan area so just yeah, being not, not used to them yeah it's different so <laughs> yeah. while i'm i'm willing to get back further walking along the shore and it seemed like yeah. some areas you couldn't really access the water because it was really brushy on the edges and maybe this again this could have been because we we're there in june um so we're thinking about bears and then you know can yeah. you even access the water could should you even step down off the bank into the water is it going to be five feet right off the bat so um, yeah, you know, that's a really good point, Jeff. Like I, when I'm fishing the upper Kenai, it's typically in the spring or it's in the fall. I do, I don't fish it a lot in the summer. Um, or I mean, and I've fished it in the winter as well. And in the winter, it's just, you know, it's, there's no brush and there's no bears. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, in the summer I stay well away from the upper Kenai river. It's crazy. Um, it's just not my jam in the summer. <laughs> Pretty much nowhere on the Kenai is my jam in the summer. Yeah. Another thing that, um, I, we love the experience. We had a good time catching rainbows and dollies, but that was just one of the things that, you know, once you get it dialed in, you kind of figure out where to go. And if we had a raft, that would have been uh -huh. great too. Um, but also do you feel kind of, I don't know, isolated once, uh, once you, or do you get snowed in and uh, going through that pass area by Cooper landing? I mean, it's pretty, you're going up in some elevation. I'm sure that the roads aren't always in great shape. Do you feel kind of cut off from the rest of the world? For sure. Yeah. That might not um, be a bad thing. And especially when you go through those little stretches where it's like avalanche area, don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. You don't have any cell phone service. Keep going. Blow through here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I carry my inReach with me now. Um, recently, you know, I got a, uh, I think a year ago, but I carry my inReach with me now all the time because I'm like, why not? Um, you know, with the no cell phone service through there, but, um, in the winter, yeah, like I, it's funny. I was packing up my car the other day because I drive up to Anchorage a lot and I'm getting ready to drive up to Glen Allen. And, um, I was getting my emergency kit ready just to put in the back of my car. And I kind of laughed to myself and I was like, <laughs> this is just something that I do because I know about that road, but what I'm actually doing is a little bit crazy. Um, and you know, I've got flares in my emergency kit. Um, I've got a shovel. I've got emergency blankets. I've got hot hand warmers. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just throw like my little, like, uh, uh, my little MSR stove in there. Um, you know, if, if it's visible. Um, but yeah, I have a little action packer that's just got an emergency kit in it just in case, because you don't just do it for yourself either on that road. Um, you do it for other people because if you see somebody just freshly in the ditch, you know, you're going to need those flares to slow other people down. I mean, it's just a dangerous highway. There's no cell phone service and you know, you're just kind of taking your life in your hands on your way up yeah. to Anchorage or down from Anchorage in the winter. Uh, I have an action packer now with a lot of the same sort of things, which is which is pretty funny, even though we can't drive very far around here. Um, yeah. When I was in California, I had the, a Ford Focus, just a 
terrible little stick shift thing. And I would always have an emergency collared shirt just because where we, if where we wanted to golf <laughs> had some sort of <laughs> dress code standard, I could have my shorts and I could have my, my flip flops, but I could have the collared shirt to golf. And I call it the emergency collared shirt. But now it's like, okay, this is real emergency stuff just in case. But um, yeah. yeah. What about Seward? Seward's got to feel totally cut off because there's really nothing else down there. Uh, Seward is an interesting little town. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, I love, that's like one of my favorite places to fish out of is Seward. And honestly, the hiking there is just, you know, it reminds me of Southeast and I really do love Southeast. I think it's just gorgeous down there. Um, just the, the rugged mountains and then the ocean. Seward though, I mean, like, it's just, it's a tourist town, you know, the, the, there's year round residents and stuff and, you know, that's all well and good, you know, just like there's all over Alaska, but they just really come alive in the summer and, um, you know, feeling cut off, maybe not so much, but the thing that sucks is like when you go to Seward outside of like, um, peak season, you know, uh, Memorial day through labor day, you know, it's like all the businesses are shut down. Mm. The good restaurants are shut down, you know, because everybody's either out of state or, you know, it's just not worth it for them to stay open. And that's like, honestly, that's like my least favorite thing about um, tourist towns in Alaska. It's just like everything shuts down and it's just, just ticks me off. <laughs> yeah. It makes it feel like it's almost not real. Like there shouldn't be a town here, but there is only because of tourists. And that's kind of one of the things that people lament about Ketchikan downtown is, you know, you have some of these jewelry stores that are owned by the by the cruise ships, and when the cruise ships are gone, they take their the jewelry out and go down south. It's like you don't yeah. have that that the authentic waterfront of a of a fishing town has been replaced by this, you know, commercialized touristy type stuff. And then when it's not tourist season, you know, it's not just doesn't have the same feel, but. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, that's how it is in Seward. That's how it is in Homer. Um, gosh, I feel like that's how it is, like in Talkeetna. It's you know, in all those little tourist trap towns in, in Alaska. You know, and I just, I shout out to the people that keep your businesses open like year yeah. round, that live here, that endure the cold, that endure the slowness. Um, shout out to those people like those people are my people for sure i love that and i try to you know shop at those places eat at those places you know anything i can do to support yeah even if it's only three or so days a week like it makes total sense to be yeah it's gonna be a thursday through through sunday or thursday through saturday thing or friday just that's fine you know give us a chance to support you and that's great we understand it but uh yeah it's, yeah let's get creative about it at least you know something yeah. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like, it's going to be expensive. You know, like you kind of yeah. know it's just expensive to operate a business there. And some of the other places too, like like bookstores. Uh, we have a bookstore here in Ketchikan that the owner has talked about. People will come in and they'll look at some of the local books, and then they'll they'll go on Amazon and they'll check the yeah. price and then order it online, and then yeah. like right in front of the owner. And like, oh, would you like this book? Oh, no, no I'll, I'll get it on Amazon. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you might do that. Just pretend that you don't want it. You know, take the name <laughs> down, pretend, and then leave, and they don't know. But to say, yes, uh, I'm going to make so this. Tacky. Yeah, I'm on a cruise in Alaska, and I'm going to save three bucks by getting it online rather than buy it from you. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's gross. 
Yeah, it is gross. And I will say that when I like back to my backcountry skis, like I was looking at REI and like box stores and stuff like that, you know, up, up in Anchorage, I wasn't looking at, you know, smaller, smaller businesses, yeah. um, which just for convenience. But, you know, if I was, you know, I, I get, I go to actually powder hound to get my stuff serviced and, um, yeah, you, know, you know, you learn as you go along, but yeah, just nothing blatant like that. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely, it doesn't mean that you have to buy everything local, but you know, at least once in a while go out to eat or, you know, give some money, do a little bit, uh, to, to support the local. That's just, it's just how we live. And that's part of the reasons why the communities are so strong is because people look out for each other and that's, for sure. you know, it's, uh, even if you are Southeast versus, you know, up North, different areas, like you're still Alaskan and that's, Mm-hmm. It's it's a bond that outside of probably Texas, I'm not sure if anybody else, any other state has a similar sort of um, connectedness, which is just, it can be super, super healthy. And Alaska has a lot of yeah. problems, you know, especially rural, especially during the, um, during the winter. But, you know, there's a lot of positive social things that you can uh, get involved with uh, during the winter. Yeah, I will say, like, there's a couple of outdoor um, outfits up here, just like outfitters small businesses and honestly like sometimes their help is so freaking rude and like i just i don't like going into these stores but i go in because they're they're ski shops in soldatna and i spend my money there because there's ski shops in soldatna and uh you know (laughs) it's funny so i think that the challenge is for for both sides right for business owners like you know, love your locals and for locals, love your business owners. Yeah. How do you cope with the winters? I know you've talked about skiing and it's kind of, it's been a game changer for you. Have you ever had a difficult time kind of dealing with, uh, with the darkness, with the cold? For sure. Every year, (laughs) every year I do. Um, in January specifically, because in December, you know, all the Christmas lights are up. It's so happy. We're Christmas shopping and, you know, it's just Christmas music and everybody's going crazy, you know, and then January happens and the fireworks are all, you know, the, the fireworks are all, you know, shot off and everything is sad. And, you know, then it's, then it's winter for three more months Yeah, <laughs> and it's still dark. And, December 21st yeah we start gaining daylight but it's like two seconds a day (laughs) you know it's not anything that's like noticeable yeah um so the number one thing that I make sure and do is exercise Uh, I just there's that's just the human body was just designed to function on uh on exercise it needs it to to survive our mental stability needs exercise so getting out for a walk um going out for a ski uh you know there's a lot more ways to do it but just making sure that you get out even in the dark um you just got to do it and got to get that fresh air got to get those endorphins up um you know if you're a gym person do that i used to go to the gym i hate the gym um the idea of standing somewhere and not going anywhere or walking on a treadmill and not going anywhere just drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting outside is so important. And then honestly, it makes the winter go by as well. And it's such a, so freaking beautiful out there too. Like 
when it's snowy or when it's cold and the hoarfrost is, you know, on the trees and it's growing, it's just really nice. And it just gives us an opportunity to, to go out there and, and to see what's out there. But, um, the second thing that I will say that has helped me is growing my community. Um, I am a firm believer that we're not meant to be alone. Um, isolation is a bad thing, even though, you know, kind of the, the tongue in cheek Alaskan dream is to, you know, come up here and live alone and have a cabin and have a dog, Mm. you know, but (laughs) that's not reality and it's not, it's not good for you. Uh, we're meant to socialize with people and we're meant to have conversations and, you know, we're meant to, I think this is just my, my personal belief, but I, I think that we're meant to just to have community. And so, uh, participating in community things, finding out what's going on, you know, go out and get a drink with your friends, be intentional about plans, do something stupid, like playing a game night, you know, um, but, but just being intentional about being around people is the, is the second thing that I've done. So exercise and being around people helps me get through the winters. And I do struggle every winter. Mm-hmm. Do you ever watch the show alone? <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> I, I had never watched it. I haven't even really heard of it. Any, cause I don't have like regular TV and I just, I don't know, for some reason, just, I'm not in the habit of watching a lot of TV, which I think is good. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll find a show and kind of do that, but alone was never on my radar. And my wife and I watched the one season where they try to get a hundred days. And that's the only season that I watched too. <laughs> I bet <laughs> it's very I'm popular in Alaskans. Yeah, how, <laughs> yeah. how long do you think you would last? Uh, and maybe there's two questions here. How long do you, would you think you would last before you'd kind of really start to lose track of reality. And then how long after that would you like need to check out, go home? Yeah. Um, well, obviously I'd like to say that I would last a hundred days because, (laughs) you know, that's just the way that I am. I don't know how long I would last. Um, I think that, uh, if I was prepared and I had a plan because, you know, I tend to be a planner. I hate researching, but I like planning. Riddle me that. I don't know. <laughs> um, I would, you know, if I could plan to have a good shelter, I'm good at making fire. You know, if I can have fire and shelter, you know, I don't know. I was I was really gunning for that blonde girl to win that got a fight. Like, I wanted her to win so bad. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I just thought she was so good and I was so inspired and I was like, I can do that. I can trap rabbits. I can live on rabbits for a whole hundred days. <laughs> yeah. She was great because she was so grateful and she just had this great demeanor. And she did. It, it seemed like she was from the start, maybe a little, I don't want to say off, but Quirky. just kind of had a unique personality for what was coming, <laughs> which I thought was, was, was pretty cool. Um, and then yeah. Roland, was it Roland? Was he the? He's the guy that he was, made rock yeah, house. Like, from Alaska. Dude, that guy was, he'd still be out there if he could. <laughs> yeah. I will say like, I already alluded to the fact that I have to have community. Like it's so important to me. I don't know if I, I could make it. <laughs> no, I, I wonder if it would, if it would be something stupid, like, uh, 
you know, I lost my fire starter, I lost my hatchet or something like that. And I'd be like, oh man, well, burger sounds good. Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or if, you know, I, the shelter thing would be super interesting. I think I would like to build a shelter. Some of my buddies, when we were in middle school and then even beginning high school, like we would, we chopped down a couple of trees, notched some logs and made a, like a legit fort and hung a, hung a seine mm-hmm. net up in some trees and hung up a little basketball hoop. So after school, we'd, we'd play netball and it'd be like two on two and you could tackle. We are just running around in the same net that's hanging up above tree or in these trees and just yep. manufacture fun. And so, Oh, that's how I grew up. It's oh, so it's so, fun. so great. But yeah, yeah, being alone for a while, I wonder, and it would be super annoying to videotape yourself. And then, I don't know, bacon cheeseburger would just start or deer backstrap or something. What do you think would be the food that would, that might be the, the biggest haunter of you? Oh, uh, oh, geez. Probably, probably like pizza. Mm. <laughs> I don't like, I'm a real big pizza fan or mm, tacos, anything Mexican, honestly, like just some good tacos. Well, if you're ever on the show, yeah. you could probably say, oh, I could really go for a St. Elias brewing pizza right about now and then see if you yeah. can get like free pizza for life or something like that for the free advertising. Yeah, support local. <laughs> hey, I'm support. already trying to do that. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, we're about at an hour here. Um, oh, wow. So um, we'll uh, give you a chance for any sort of uh, parting thought or ideas or where can people find you or anything when you got Oh, for sure. Um, well, people can find me at Alaska Outdoor Girl, all one word, alaskaoutdoorgirl.com. Um, I'm going to be working on some cool stuff with a local tourism um, outfit um, and doing some uh, learning, some guiding and stuff this summer. So follow along with those adventures. I have a lot of people that message me like where to go, what to do. Um, so I try to get back to as many of those as possible. Um, so if you want to shoot me an email or shoot me a direct message, you can email me at info at alaskaoutdoorgirl.com or just fill in a little form on the website. You know, I'm just trying to show people Alaska and, um, showcase the outdoors and kind of pave the way for women who are wanting to get into the outdoors. And yeah, I'm, Super fun time talking to you, Jeff. Hope I get to meet you and Abby. It'll be fun. Yeah. Hopefully we'll make another trip up there. And um, Jack and uh, and Brandon and uh, Daniel, the guys, they've, they've been talking about moose hunts and things like that. So uh, maybe I don't think we're going to be invited to, like, the moose camp. But, uh, you know, something up there would be sweet. It's cool to have contacts yeah. in a different part of the state. Oh, you guys should try to make it up to the um – what do you call? They're doing that uh, game meet party. Oh, I know. Daniel was talking about that, and that would be so fun to go up there. We just bought some. Uh, well, we're in the process of buying some land. We're going to start building now that prices are going to go up. You know, we, yeah. we plan <laughs> planned that super well. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it probably it's not going to. I know it's not going to work out, but it would be super cool to to head up there. But maybe next, uh, maybe one of these summers maybe next year. head up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, looking forward to uh, listening to the next podcast, too. Cool. Thank you uh, for being on. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for all you're doing for the state. And um, um, I'm looking forward to maybe getting some skis and, uh, yeah, adventuring.
Yeah, let me know how it goes. <laughs> Will do. Take care. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Bye.